This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Welcome in to an emergency edition, an emergency pod for the Jamie Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin. Jack Fitzpatrick joins me per usual to talk about how Lewis Rowe is no longer the head coach of Jamie men's basketball. Jack, hello. Hi. In the podcast, is- it's good. It's good. I, I that was an awkward <laughs> way to start it. In the podcast world, it's really hard to do like breaking news. And yeah. I think this is the the quickest way we could get breaking news podcast up five exactly. or six hours after the news breaks and everyone would already know. But Coach Rowe is out at JMU. Matt Brady is back <laughs> in. Surprised, no. Upset, no. Um, any other words for it? Yeah, this was obviously did not come as a shock. Like we all knew after they lost to Elon, and now of course Elon making a little run the state tournament. We'll see what they do in the Monday game. But um, the loss to Elon, nine win season. They're forty three and eighty five under row, and I think twenty one and fifty one in conference games. That's more alarming than the overall record, really. Yeah, twenty one and fifty one in a bad mid major league where uh, you know Matt Brady won. I forget how many won in his last season, but he won twenty one total games. And he didn't go far enough in the conference. Jeff Bourne in the administration basically said, you know what, that's not good enough for what we want to do in this men's basketball program. And then the last four years have been absolutely horrible. (laughs) So it's it's not a surprise. The Encore product has been very bad. Um, It's certainly tough for some people because Lewis Rowe is is a beloved figure in the Jamie community. He's a quality dude. So that part is is difficult. But in terms of the Encore product, you're not making, you know, $300,000 a year to lose what half of or two thirds of your games. Yeah. It, it was, it was known. We kind of, we were speculating that no matter really what happened in the CAA tournament, 
Roe's days were numbered. And I think Roe knew that. And he, all the reports coming out of JMU today, he's handling this probably the best I've ever seen a coach who's been mutually parted ways with <laughs> yeah. um, has ever handled it. I mean, telling his, his players, stay with the program, show them how good you guys are next season. And just being a great um, leader and what's the other word for it? Just mentor ambassador for the men's program. It just, it is a shame. And I know I've been very hard on Rose throughout his, I really this last year, because I was on the, I was on the men's basketball hype train his first three years with reckless abandoned. But this last year I was a big, big um, anti Rowe guy and, it's really great, though, to see. I wish he could have been a fantastic coach because that would have made for a great story. But unfortunately, just wasn't really cut. I don't – not really cut out for the head coach position. Yeah, and I think – I'll get into that in a second. I think what you were saying is exactly right. And everyone wanted him to succeed just because of the guy he was, the way he loved JMU and the sports programs. It, I think it reminded a lot of people of just fans, of being fans. Like, he truly yeah. was – he loved a fan, it. and he was open about being, you know, the fan in me <laughs> like wants us to win as much as everyone else. And then the coach in me is trying hard, and they just didn't get it done. But I think what you're saying about um, him not being the right fit for a head coaching position makes sense as you grind coffee over there. And I think, <laughs> <laughs> what do you have, bubble wrap? <laughs> it's my sugar. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, well, anyway, he um, – no, I mean, he w- wasn't the right – I think the thing that kind of not irks me, but is confusing is when people are like, oh, he wasn't the right fit. I don't think that's true at all. I think he was a perfect fit. Yeah. I don't think he was ready to be a head coach anywhere. Yeah. Like people say he wasn't the right fit. That's not true at all. He was a good fit for the Jamie program, what the program wants, but he didn't make sense as a head coach. Yeah. Like he was not ready, in my opinion, to be a head coach. And hopefully in the future one day he'll, he will be ready, but not for Jamie, but probably another program maybe down the line. Yeah, and I'd love to see him succeed at another program and and do that. I mean, it, it's it's really rare to see a coach like make it back to their alma mater and have success. And it's kind of, I, I think he was pushed into this role a little early. I think they were swinging for the fences with him, and and hired him kind of even before they knew he was ready, just to see if if maybe things could come together at his alma mater. But unfortunately, they didn't. And I think it just kind of looks like an egg on his face and a face on the athletic administration. And they'll never say this, but it kind of feels like a stopgap where they knew the arena was probably going to be made at some point, built at some point. Um, And they went with sort of a low cost, maybe a high High, high risk, high reward. It's actually low risk, high reward, really, because they knew that if he didn't work, he'd probably recruit good talent and then he would leave and you have a new arena to be able to kind of go big. Yeah. So... I don't think they'll ever admit that they were maybe considering that he could just be sort of that stopgap, but I feel like in a way this shouldn't really come as a surprise to anybody. Oh, no. It, I think people were expecting it last season, and it just didn't happen. And and when they started this season hot, people were kind of thinking maybe, maybe he saved his season if they can do something good in conference, finish in the top third, top half of the conference. But instead they only won against UNCW. And they almost won in the conference tournament, and Elon is now in the semifinals. So he had a very legitimate chance to save his job this season, <laughs> and he just, you know, swung and he missed. I mean, yeah. they had a great, great shot. They started, I think, seven and four in non-conference action, 
if they could have had a 10 win conference season, finished in the top half of the league or whatever, 17 plus wins showing that they went from 10 to 14 to 17 wins in the seasons that I guess, quote unquote, counted for him. Um, if you're counting a, zero, a year zero, then I, I think then he probably saves his job and he goes to the new arena with a talented roster and, and hope fans, fans are behind him and hope. In my opinion, I think this is probably the best situation for JMU fans. I don't, I don't mean that to be mean. I just don't think even if Rowe had gotten 17 wins or so and they found ways to get these games, I don't think he was the guy that was going to take JMU to where JMU wanted and wants to be, which I think is the elite upper echelon of mid-majors. I'm not sure he was ever going to yeah. do that. So I think in a way, as much as this stinks and the attendance has dwindled and all those things, I think this actually puts JMU in a position to shell out, go get somebody, pay some cash, and build a talented mid-major program. Yeah, and in the world of mid-major, you see it across the board with the Gonzagas that, I mean, the SDSUs this season, the BYUs this season, they're paying their coaches some solid money there, and I don't think you'd ever make it to that stage of where JMU wants to be in the men's basketball realm with paying coaches two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, I think you are going to have to dole out seven hundred to one point five mil type of stuff if you want to get your program that big. I don't think JMU's plan of of low balling and and trying to find a budget coach will ever get them to where they want to go. And I think they're starting to realize that. Um, and it makes sense that Roe was kind of that stopgap where you can pay him cheap and, and hope something good happens. And if not, you're not really that much destroyed. I mean, your program is destroyed, but you do have solid talent. Um, but I, this next coach is going to have to, I've been anti-breaking the, well, not anti-breaking the bank. I didn't think JMU was going to break the bank. I've kind of switched my thing. I think they might, I think they might try to swing for a fence and get a big name higher and open up that checkbook a little more than, than we're used to. Yeah. yeah right. And uh, I think, um, if JMU goes the way I think it could go, you've got some options. We can get into some of the coaching names. I think maybe the ceiling, or not the ceiling, the floor would be um, potentially like a, a Mike Jones at Radford, where I don't think <laughs> yeah, that he is would your, be. That guy has been your guy since the, the well, first think... one we did. And I love it because now he's actually being circulated in conversation. He's a safe choice. I don't think he's going to cost breaking the bank numbers, which is why I think he's in contention. Um, so he'll be someone I think is probably looked at. But if they do, you know, go the way we're thinking where they might spend a little more money, I would not be surprised in the slightest if the basketball coach makes more than Kurt Signetti. Yeah, I think it has. I think at this point, to be a consistent mid-major contender, you have to pay him more than what Signetti's making. Yeah, and you look at, I think Richmond pays their coach upwards of a million dollars a year. Um, and like, that's a program you want to be on par with, right? You yeah. want to be able to beat Richmond. You want to be on that level. You want to sort of look at yourself maybe with them and, well, and some of the Virginia A-10 schools where you look yeah. at like a Mason a VCU. Um, or a VCU, right? So I think you want to be at that, that realm and that level. And if you're going to build an arena as big as the arena is going to be for as much money as they got in to build the arena, you'd think that they would then at least consider <laughs> spending you know, 500,000 plus, yeah. uh, whether that's through like donors or whatever um, to get a legitimate coach. So it's, it's a massive hire for this program. Yeah. And before we kind of get into some coach, coach names, we've been seeing circulated in some that are kind of pipe dreams or, or dreams of ours. What do you right. feel about Rose staying on as an assistant or as a recruiter? 
I know that's a fantastic <laughs> idea. So <laughs> the way you word it, the tone in your voice, the sarcasm is dripping. I think that my issue, and I'll have you rant a little more than me, but like, I think we have different rants too for this, which is why I'm so excited. Yeah. But my part is like, you can't bring on the former head coach on the next staff. Like, just emotionally, that would be so odd. That's like, like you breaking up with your girlfriend, and then when you get a new girlfriend. Yeah, like including the ex around. on all your yeah. dates. Yeah. Like, oh, she lives with me, though. She's my roommate. <laughs> that'd be so weird. Like, that'd be so <laughs> weird. It would make no sense. It'd be super awkward, super uncomfortable for everyone. Like, let's say there's a practice where the new head coach goes kind of hard at one of the players, and they get into a little disagreement, and one player's upset, and then he goes to Lewis Rowe or something. And then Rowe is put in an incredibly <laughs> awkward position if something like that were to happen. Like, it's just – it doesn't make a lot of sense – um, in terms of like the team dynamics and the chemistry, I also really don't think a new head coach trying to put their stamp on a program wants the former head coach like on the bench. Like I just think that's weird. <laughs> I don't think they would want that. They're not going to agree to that. So I don't. I don't think it's really a possibility. And Jack, if it was a possibility, would it even be worth it? No. Like I think we're overestimating by a far margin how great this roster is. I think talent-wise, it is a mid-level CAA roster. And with that mid-level roster, with a great coach, you could become a contender in the CAA. I mean, in mid-major basketball, really in all college basketball, 75% of winning comes down to how good your head coach is. But I think we're overestimating how good this roster is. Yeah, he brought in Banks, who was a three-star recruit. Michael Christmas, who was a huge, huge three-star recruit. And Lewis has grown into a what some people call a great player. Um, Wilson's grown into a great player and all these things. But I, I just think we overestimate his recruiting ability. I don't think he's bringing in a player that, say, Mike Jones, if Mike Jones is at JMU, Mike Jones wouldn't bring in. Or Matt Brady wouldn't have brought him in because he would have focused his entire efforts in Eastern Europe. But, but if, if, if Matt Brady – Matt Brady's recruiting efforts with the coronavirus would be completely, <laughs> completely screwed. That is very true. I wonder how he's doing up in Maryland recruiting there in the Eastern European block. Um, hey, he just got a little bonus for Maryland winning a Big Ten made, title or share of the Big Ten title. practically made as much money as he did at all his years in JMU with his one <laughs> bonus. Yeah. $7,500. <laughs> um, no, but I, I just think Roe isn't elevating the recruiting efforts of JMU – any more than another coach would have. I think he was just kind of in a right place at the right time. And it's really easy to sell JMU. Um, Granted, that might be a skewed kind of look at it, being both of us being alumni and and loved our time there. But I think it's easy to sell JMU. And I think it's easy, especially last season, to bring Christmas in. Hey, Christmas, you'll be a freshman, and then you're going to go into these state-of-the-art facilities the next year and then you'll have three years and you'll be one of the first players to grace that court. I think it's easier to sell that than people were giving it credit to. I think people were chalking that up to row a lot more than it really was. And like you said, it, it would be a terrible move to have the ex head coach on as you're trying to implement a new regime. Like that's just bad. And yeah, I think wh- whatever the next coach is, whether it's Shaka smart or Akbar Wahid, I mean, they're bringing in the same level, maybe even better level. Who knows? But let's not bring him on as a recruiter. No. And I think <laughs> what you're saying about, like, he's a decent recruiter and they've added some some good players. I think some of it, too, is just, like, 
you compare the recruiting to the on-court stuff and you're like, oh, he's a good recruiter. It's like he is a he's a good recruiter. He's a bad coach. So when you compare those things, and, I think it maybe makes his recruiting look even better than it that maybe it. Yeah, and and you also kind of look at it like William and Mary has Nathan Knight, a real NBA draft prospect. You look over at Hofstra, they have Pemberton and and Boye or however you pronounce his last name, Blue, Dubois Blue. Yeah. Um and they have legit players and JMU when they play those guys don't even have the second or third best player on the court. So then you're kind of like, well, are they good at recruiting? Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at the top teams in the league, like William and Mary has a better roster. Hofstra's got a better roster. Like, a lot of these teams have better rosters. Riller's better than anybody on JMU's team for College of Charleston. So, I think Delaware, you can make an argument, Delaware has a better yeah. roster and they do more with the roster. So, I think that's kind of the issue that that we have with it is just his recruiting. It was, it was good. It wasn't bad at all, but it wasn't. People made it out to be like amazing. JMU yeah. had five LeBron Jameses <laughs> on the floor and they were finishing last in the conference. Like that's not true. So there's good talent there. I think it could have been a top half of the league team. But yeah, you don't. Lewis wrote like the dynamics that would be super awkward if he <laughs> came back as an assistant. Those are not worth the like <laughs> the, minor bump in recruiting. Yeah, the the one swing you have on Michael Christmas. I do think Michael Christmas will turn into with the right coaching and right development, turn into a play, for SCA sure. player of the year candidate, his junior right, but and I mean, senior the, year. But, I mean, losing out on Christmas wouldn't be the end of the world type of thing. No, no. And he was a guy that, you know, at the end of the year, they had him <laughs> as part of the bench mob. Like, he wasn't even <laughs> playing in games. Mob. So, like, you, I don't know. So, like, if you're going to – he brought in some really talented players, and then a lot of them, like, barely saw the floor at the end of the year, and you're like, what's going yeah. on? But I think the last game sort of summed up the row era perfectly that was when they got up. perfect ending. They go up 14 zip. They don't trail until the final three seconds. And, you know, that, that shot in the final three seconds kills them. <laughs> and they end up losing by two. That was pretty much everything of the row era where you had that hope, that optimism. They would have stretches where they were incredible. And then the rest of the game, you're like, what am I watching? So there you uh, go. Do you want to move on to the last segment yeah, of the emergency podcast? Let's, let's talk about some options. Right? Yeah, let's, we have we put together a little mini spreadsheet. Yeah, we did. Um, I added a couple today. Um, really? Well, it was two that we kind of just had mentioned. I forgot to add down. But we have a list going. Um, I don't really know how else to, to tee this one up. If you just want to kind of dive into some ideas that you have floating around. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to start with my Jones. I'm going to start with my guy. <laughs> like, obviously, we know who I'm going to start with because I love Mike Jones, as everyone should. Losing to Ham- Hampton. <clears throat> he lo- look, he lost to Hampton partially because he doesn't have the resources he needs to fulfill his potential, and he'll have those at JMU. So, no, Mike Jones has been good at Radford, though. They've yeah. won some games. They'll be in the NIT this season. I hope they win games. Um, <laughs> they have Mike Jones has been decent. You know, they haven't won his entire <laughs> tenure, but uh, I still like the guy. No, I mean, they, they've won – I can't remember if it's two or three years now that they've won 20 games um, in each of those seasons. But they've been good. They'll be in the NIT this season. We'll see how long they play in there, if that would actually affect anything coaching-wise or not. But – or if he's even the guy, but he's certainly a candidate. Um, he's, you know, close. He's been good. Um, like I was saying, though, he seems like like a high floor and maybe a lower yeah. ceiling. And I think we've talked about that before, where if you're if you're shooting big, I'm not really sure Mike Jones is necessarily the play. Although I do think if he gets hired, Jamie fans can be confident they won't have a nine win season anytime. Yeah, soon. Mike Jones would be a, a floor 15 win guy, in my opinion. He'll 
Sealy, Sealy National Championship. <laughs> He'll win you some games. He'll get you. He, he might get you into the NCAA tournament. You may win an NCAA tournament game. Or five. But he just reminds me a little bit of Matt Brady. But that's – I think he's better than Brady <laughs> as a head coach. Although Brady had some had some good yeah. years at uh, Marist, right? All right, yeah, maybe it's not the worst comparison. And, and Brady got you a lot of wins, and then he just faltered in the CA championship. Like I think Jones would benefit from the big arena in terms of recruiting. I think he would have yeah. – Decent talent, where like Matt Brady, like we were saying, was bringing the in like Soviet the third lock, best power yeah. forward from Lithuania. And we we're like, what's happening? <laughs> where did you find these kids? No, we don't want Zadrunius Ilgusquis's cousin. <laughs> <laughs> he he told me once that he was recruiting a dude <laughs> in my hometown that Lonnie Walker. He plays for the Spurs, and he went to Miami. He was like recruiting him early on. He was one of the first, I think, to start talking to him. And then the school ended up setting, sending like their backup point guard because Lonnie Walker didn't want to go with a visit or something. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> so instead of instead of Lonnie we Walker, got, we got his backup. we got some like five eight point guard who played D three three years later. So, <sighs> yeah. Anyway, all right. So then that's one of the main like head head yeah. coaches. Actually, that's not really true. <laughs> We've also <laughs> sorry I didn't look down the list. Far enough. The one that you the one that you brought up to me yesterday. Yeah, I really like this uh, what one. Is it? Yeah, talk to talk to me. Okay, about so him. I've been watching a absorbent. Is that even the right word? I don't know. I'm just trying. I don't know, but it seemed like it was at least close to <laughs> um, exorbitant. Yeah, a lot of Patriot League basketball in the last couple of weeks, um, and I've been watching Colgate, and they are a bright spot within the Patriot League. And their head coach, Matt Langle, has been the coach there since 2011. He inherited a terrible team. And the administration in Hamilton stuck with him through a couple of years, a couple of bad years. And now he's grown it into a perennial Patriot League contender. They won the Patriot League last year, and they're about to win it again this year, get back in the big dance for two consecutive years, something JMU has like never done in the last 30 years. He's a two-time Patriot League coach of the year. I like Langle. The problem is Colgate is a private university, so I can't see his salary. So I have no idea what he's making. You can just tweet at him or something. <laughs> hey, what'd you make, man? <laughs> hey, we're doing a database. <laughs> um, no, but I, I love that, that thought. I him. do. I think he would. Now, the, now, you brought up a good point yesterday when I brought him up. Is he, is he kind of in line for maybe one of those Northeastern schools? Like, is Boston College kind of looking at him or – Another you know, one of the Northeastern kind of power eight. I, I heard that for I basketball, but I don't really know. And I feel like as, as bad as Jamie's been over the, at the time, I feel like going from the Patriot League to the CAA and moving from Colgate to JMU is a step up and in the right direction for Matt Langle. Yeah, it's definitely a step up. I think he's an interesting one because you wonder, um, would he be willing to – we have the same birthday. That's fun. <laughs> Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, that's, I'm all in on him now. That'll be a nice breaker immediately. But no, like you, like you were saying, where they were really bad in the Patriot League, and he's taken them the last three years to being one of the top teams in the league. It's very impressive what he's been able to do. They've got some legit players there, too. Yeah. They recruited some guys that can, that can really play. So I think he's an exciting one. He's been there for a while. So he's been a head coach for a while, and he's proven that he can win now. He's proven he can grow a program. Li- That's my big thing. Like, right. like Mike Jones has grown a program, and some of these other guys we'll talk about have grown programs to an extent, 
But he literally took over a trash Patriot League team, which is like saying a lot because a Patriot League is worse than the CAA, in my opinion, in terms of like overall yeah. quality of teams. And he took a bottom feeder, a perennial bottom feeder in Colgate and has now turned them into a perennial champion. Right. I just wonder how long he'd be willing to stay at a mid-major. That's yeah. why thing that interests me is, is he a guy who looks at JMU and says, oh, this would be interesting, a, a cool new challenge, or is he someone who thinks that, you know, in the next year or two or three, I could get to a place in Philly, I know he spent time at Penn and Temple, or a place in, you know, the Boston area or whatever, or New York, whatever. Uh, that's something that I think is interesting, but he's he's a guy that's got to be, I think, one of those dark horse guys that deserves a look, yeah. because he's he's proven, like you said, that trajectory that JMU wants, where he could come in and if the roster sort of stays together and he has that talent, I think he could have a really good first season. But more importantly, he could have really good seasons in the future. Yeah. And he's the kind of guy, I think the thing with Mike Jones that's interesting is he kind of got Radford up for a little, then it took a little dip, and then it went back up. And I think that's part of where the Brady comparison might come in is like that fluctuating yeah, think, success it, it, where Langle hasn't yeah, had that. Yeah, I think with when I see a, a, a period of, of solid play and, and good wins and then a dip and then another period of solid plays, to me, that, that is ind- ind- indicative of having, like, a really good player. Like, Brady got to the NCAA tournament with Andre Nation and then never got back. That roster. Yeah, loaded, yeah, with yeah. a great roster. So, like, that's what I worry about is, was it more so the roster that season or that, like, two seasons, or was it more the coach and, and things like that? But a lot to play into it. A couple other guys we have, we've, we've mentioned J.D. Byers and Akbar Wahid, VCU and Georgetown. I've kind of gone, yeah. gone out on them as bigger names have come up. Um, those were kind of like under the very under the radar two names we were we were mentioning early on, but both their teams fell off drastically at the season, and it's not all the assistant coaches' fault. I know, but a little bit that does worry me a little bit. I think if you take an assistant, you want someone that's probably been what to the NCAA tournament multiple yeah. times. I would I would think. Um, I don't know if they have or if they haven't, but I think you could definitely want assistants that have been in programs that, that win a decent amount or they've just got tons of experience, like a, like a Kevin Sutton who's got that JMU tie. Ooh, okay. Tell me about Kevin Sutton. I think he will be looked at. So he's a little bit older compared to some people. Graduated from JMU in 88. So he's been doing this for quite a long time. But he's just coached a lot of different places. He's at Rhode Island right now. He spent some time at Pitt, Georgetown, GW. I think he was also at, at JMU at some point and then old dominion as well. So he's, he's done a lot of good things. He's been around the block, so to speak. (laughs) Like he's coached a lot of different players, done a lot of different things, familiar, very familiar with the Virginia area, which I think would help in recruiting. So he's somebody I think should be looked at assistant coach currently on Rhode Island's team. Rhode Island's got a pretty, pretty decent squad this year. I think you've seen them a few times. So I like Kevin Sutton. I think Kevin Sutton should, very much be on the list. I don't know how much him being a JMU alum will really help after what just happened with, with um, Roe. Yeah. So I don't, I think it's at this point, I don't think anyone like previously, I think that might've been a bigger edge. And now I think people don't care. They literally just want a coach yeah. who's going to be able to win. Um, he did play it. And I don't know. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I think looking at, at him, he's a, definitely an option, but the one thing I will say, the more I think about it is, I kind of think Jamie wants someone who's a head, been a head yeah, coach. Yeah, I think they – Kevin Sutton's a – nothing wrong with this, but is a career assistant. Um, he's only head coached at, at high schools. 
Um, and I think they want I, – I really do, as time has gone on, I think they're going to open up the checkbook and kind of get a splashier hire. Yeah, yeah, I kind of think so as well. So Sutton's certainly an aim to keep an eye on. I wouldn't be surprised if he interviewed. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, some of the splashy guys we have, Shaka Smart is our – is our peak? I really don't. I, <laughs> I put him on here. I don't, I don't think Shaka Smart really has is well, coming his, here. He's also not officially out at Texas. His daughter goes to JMU's. Mom lives in Bridgewater. Those are two things I made up yesterday to trick Jack into thinking that he was coming. But um, no, I mean, first of all, he does have to get fired, so he needs to have a bad conference tournament. If he has a bad conference tournament, I think he's out. But I don't. I mean, we talk about opening up the checkbooks. They'd have to find a second and a third checkbook to get Shaka in town. No, I, don't, I mean, I don't if know. he gets fired, he gets what, 10 like ten million. million? If he gets, he gets ten million. If he's fired, he will be a hot commodity. He'd be though. a very hot commodity. And and my problem is when he left VCU, he left them like offering him two point five million to go to Texas, which I know is a step <laughs> up, but like. So to me, two point five mil is his floor. He definitely <laughs> would want a sizable chunk of change. Yeah. And there's a team out there. Jamie. There's a team out there that will give him that sizable chunk of change. And I don't think that team's JMU. You know, another guy I think that could be a splashy hire, and I would love to see it. Ryan Odom. You're just obsessed with the Lenore Ryan connection, bro. <laughs> Ryan Odom from UMBC. I don't. I think. I think it'd be a fantastic hire. You see, I think I would prefer both Mike Jones and Matt Langle to Ryan. I prefer Matt. Okay, Matt Langle is honestly my number one. I after like after making that connection, that is my that is my guy. But why don't you like Ryan Odom? Because they're not good this year. <laughs> like he's had decent decent seasons. I think. So he played. He was one head coach at Lenore Ryan for a season, twenty-one and ten. Then he went to UMBC. They've had twenty wins in every season except this year. They won't get there. They're, um, I don't know their exact record because Wikipedia is behind. And this is how I do all these all these podcasts. By the way, people, I they're just fifteen and sixteen this season. Okay, eight and eight in conference. So, so it was updated. So they're like they're not that great. The American East is American East is actually decent, but that's not the best league no, in the world. Not. They're struggling this year. I think. For me, if you're taking somebody from, like, the American East, they better be really proven, like, really proven. And I think that Odom still has some proving to do. And they're in their conference tournament now. They just won one to get to the 16 and 16. They play Vermont. Vermont is a legit program um, up there, 16 and 16. I don't know. I just think I'd rather have a Mike Jones or or the Langle from Mr. Langle from Colgate. I think those are better head coaching options. I like, I don't, I think Odom would be a decent choice. I just would have my doubts that he's different than Brady as that's well. That's true. And Brad, what about Brad? Here's one that's fascinating. I saw this floated online today. Um, Brad Brownell is the head coach at Clemson and he is, he's currently the head coach there. So, you know, that makes it tough, <laughs> but there's, you can make a case. They're not going to make the NCAA tournament. So you can make a legitimate case um, that they're going to, to make a move. Um, and it would certainly be interesting. But the thing that's, that's fascinating for me is that he beat at home, they beat Duke, Florida State, and Louisville this season. So he's someone that, if I'm Clemson, I don't move on from Brad Brownell. I think Brad Brownell is a really good coach. I think he should have another year to, 
develop his program and keep doing that. Um, but if he happens to be on the market, yeah, he's got to be a guy you you look at. But I would I would personally be a little surprised if they do move on, just because Clemson doesn't really have a strong basketball tradition, and to be able to beat <laughs> yeah. those three teams in one season, I don't know. It's they struggled at other times, but that would be kind of tough for them to make a move. But I saw it floated online that he would have to be a candidate. He's certainly not going to leave Clemson for JMU. I think that would make absolutely no sense unless he hates money. But, um, yeah, I don't know. He's something to keep an, someone to keep an eye on. And we'll see. I'm excited because it took 17 days the first when they went away from Brady and hired Rowe. I'm interested to see how this develops. I imagine it won't take too, too long. Obviously, they're going to want conference tournaments to end. They're probably going to want some NIT or some NCAA tournament action to end so the coaches are then available to yeah. talk. So I think it could certainly take a few weeks, maybe a little longer than the Roe process yeah. did because Roe is a, an assistant for a bad team. Um, but I'm excited, Jack. I'm excited to see. Yeah, I think, I think it'll be a little bit, especially if they're going to be targeting guys like, well, Mike Jones is, well, depending on how far the NIT goes, but Mike Jones, Kevin Sutton, Matt Langle, and others probably have a little bit of a run, so it'll be a little bit of time. Um, mm-hmm. The tweet you're referring to earlier, they list a couple. I'm just going to list a couple of the other ones that we haven't mentioned. And if one of the names strikes out to you, stop. Let's talk about it real quick. And if not, we'll move on. Jason Williford, a UVA assistant. Rob Jones, Norfolk's head coach. Buck Joyner, Hampton's head coach. And Richie McKay, Liberty's head coach. Richie McKay would be an incredible hire. An absolutely incredible hire. He might be the ceiling. If he's leaving Liberty for JMU, I would be very surprised because I'm sure he makes a decent paycheck. He has got them playing incredible basketball. He's the kind of guy that could easily take a P5 or a power conference job here, like in the next season. So for him to take a job um, at JMU, JMU would really (laughs) have to pay for him, and I would be surprised by it. The other one that's interesting, Jeff Goodman tweeted out uh, that Mike Jones should be in the mix. But then he also said that Seth Greenberg has been poking around about JMU. Um, he was a former head coach of Virginia Tech. He's now an ESPN analyst. I have absolutely no idea in the world what poking around <laughs> about JMU. What is he just like on Harrisonburg, just like poking people? He's like, what do you tell me about your program? Like, I don't know what that's about. He would be fast. Could you imagine higher. Seth Greenberg <laughs> on, the, would be on the wild? <laughs> automatically, we leave Flow Sports and JMU only would go to ESPN Plus. But I could it not would be... imagine Seth Greenberg on the, the side of the bank, on the sidelines of the bank. <laughs> it would be fun. I also like that at Virginia Tech, they basically missed the NCAA tournament in like the first four out for like, it seemed like a decade in a row. And he would just get really animated on television about how they deserve to be in the tournament even though the resume wasn't that good so i would love to see if that could happen if he could get jamie to fringe bubble every year but no he'd obviously be a big name that would excite people um but also jeff goodman's sources have told him that seth greenberg has been poking around about jamie which to me means absolutely nothing. well i've been so. poking around jamie too for the last four years yeah i'm the that's, that's all I'll, that'd be a good reason <laughs> <laughs> you gotta put that out there talk about how you've been poking around be like oh i've been doing this strategy for three years as well but uh it'll be interesting to see who they might they might hire and uh what might go on from there but seth greenberg's an interesting name i'm interested to see what other nonsensical names float up in the next three weeks because i think it's gonna be pretty amazing what was that college coaching coaching changes yeah, that's the one you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, so, anything else to add on it? Oh man, I don't think so. Oh, Boston College apparently uh, 
Jim Christian, I think he's on the hot seat a little bit there. If they could get Jim Christian from Boston College, dude, that would be flames. He is the man. He is awesome. He runs ridiculously good offensive sets. His talent has not been there. But if you give Jim Christian the talent, oh, my God. And on that note. So keep him in there, man. This was a fun emergency podcast. Coach Rowe has been canned. Excuse me. What if they got Little Patino? (laughs) I can't believe you just called him Little Patino. (laughs) He's at Minnesota, though, right? Yeah, but apparently there people were saying that. Well, I just looked up one tweet that's saying it, but they said he's on the. They said he's wasn't on the hot he seat. just doing fantastic for them? Like built their their net is really good, but they're like thirteen and seventeen or something. Oh, that's the per- that's the program you always tweet about, and how you're like Minnesota lost and moved up five spots in the net. UVA won and moved up minus four. Yo, little Patino would be amazing, and then his dad would be like in attendance, and people would basically get the. Um, I freaking hate that people want it. Like, we don't. Jamie doesn't need to sacrifice their morals to have a winning. Disagree, disagree. I think Rodino <laughs> should be top of the list, and I think they should welcome him with like a stripper pole <laughs> in his press conference in the office. In no, the you're right. You're right though. Like, install one. Never mind. You're right though. I don't. I, <laughs> in the office. I think you're right though that he don't hire Rodino. Don't even interview him. Just. No, but Jim Calhoun. He's not somebody. Jim Calhoun would be the dream because he would do it for like thirty bucks as long as he could like get week weekend trips every now and then to back to Connecticut or whatever, back to the Northeast. So, okay, yeah, this is this is exciting. But okay, my new list is Little Patino, Jim Christian, Langle, but Mike Jones is still okay. number one. My list is Langle, Odom. Also, everyone's given Lewis Rowe an extra 10 losses. It's happened again? The coaching changes quote tweeted chains, and they're like, 43 and 95, all you need to know. It's like, he only lost 85. We know it was bad. <laughs> Come on. 95. That's what is that? Like, for four years, that'd be like 25 that'd be losses. Bad. So, that emergency podcast over for Bennett Conlon. My name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.